Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live on the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will discuss the subject, the devotional life of Jesus. We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Indiana, in the United States of America. More about our guest after we have had some music. The Devotional Life of Jesus We will discuss this subject tonight with Elder John Skeet of Temple Restored Ministry. Temple Restored Ministry was established in 1990 by Elder John and his wife, Sister Wendy Skeet. 
Elder John and Sister Wendy have been involved in various aspects of ministry for 38 years. They employ a unique style of teaching and have shared studies on both health and the gospel across America. Their international calls to ministry have taken one or both of them to Europe, Africa, South America, Asia and Australasia. Let's now call Elder Skeet and see if he's available. Hello. Yes, hello. Yes, good evening, Elder Skeet. You are live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm doing fine by God's grace. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glad to hear so. Well, Elder Skeet, tonight we will be discussing these questions together. What is a devotional life? How does Jesus' prayer, prayer life, teach us devotion? What part did the scriptures play in Jesus' devotional life? What benefits came as a result of Jesus' devotional life? And how does Jesus' devotional life relate to us today? So, Elder Skeet, before we start our discussion this evening, shall we have a word of prayer together, please? Sure. Our gracious Father in heaven, Lord, we, we love you very much. We are thankful that heaven took the initiative and sent thy son down to this dark world to rescue us from sin, from ourselves, and from Satan. As we come to this important subject, we pray that you will bless us with your spirit as a great teacher to open up our understanding to this important subject. Bless us now with your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder Skeet, what is a devotional life? Although the Bible does not use the expression devotional life, it does use the word devoted, right. which the original Hebrew, if you look that word up, it means a thing that is dedicated. Uh, just one example in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 28, yes. it says, Notwithstanding, no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, both of man and beast and of the field of his possession shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 27 verse 28. So, so whatever is devoted is something that's consecrated and is considered by God to be most holy unto him. Yes. If, but, but since the, the expression devotional life doesn't occur in the Bible, if you look up devotion in the dictionary, you will find two concepts. One agrees with Leviticus 27, verse 28, where the dictionary says that devotion means to have profound dedication. But um, devotion is also defined by the dictionary as a word that means to worship. What? So our first question this evening is, what is devotional life? By the expression devotional life, we're, we're referring to the, the true worship experience 
Right. And that experience, um, as it's characterized by a profound dedication, a a hundred percent commitment to it. Yes. Um, so for my for my first platform scripture on this question, what is devotional life? I'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter six. Now, I, Isaiah was a gospel preacher, and um, he was a servant of the Lord, just like Christians today. And um, he needed to understand what true worship looked like. Right. So God gave him a vision of the glorious, exalted worship that takes place in heaven around God's throne. And in Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1 and going down, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And verse 4 goes on to say, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, and this is Isaiah, Then said I, yes. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. That's Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8. Yes. So a, a few quick observations. Anybody that's trying to understand what devotional life is all about, what worship is really all about, this vision um, in a composite form has all the elements of what is going on in the heavenly worship of the angels around God's throne. In true worship, God has to be central. Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. Yes, and, so and, and the worshipers here... Um, were six-winged seraphims, and they showed reverence by having two wings covering their face. They showed submission to authority by having two wings covering their feet. I don't have time to explore that, but if you go to the story of Ruth, the Bible says that Ruth took a blanket and covered Boaz's feet, and she, she slept at his feet, and it showed a submission to authority. And it says that these seraphims had two wings to fly which is a symbol of service. So when worship's taking place, the worshiper themselves have to show reverence, submission to authority, and, and they should be ready for service. Nice. And, and, and in this vision that God saw so uh, wonderfully to give to Isaiah, he heard the worshipers crying. They were, they, were, they were emphasizing one grand trait of God's character. Holy, holy, holy. And this worship was done with passion and zeal, so much zeal, it says that the temple posts shook at their, at their zeal of crying out, holy, holy, holy. And then Isaiah, as, he's worship, as he sees this worship, 
um, he starts to get a revelation of his own condition. And he realizes, he said, oh, my Lord, I'm undone myself. And immediately during the time he's viewing this worship, God dispatches an angel, which brings a fiery coal to place on his lips. And then his commission, a commission comes to Isaiah. It says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah consents to go forth. So so in this first vision, this first scripture, I should say, uh, that describes Isaiah 6, heaven is giving us a glimpse of the devotional life of angels. This is the true worship. And Mm -hmm. our worship here on earth should reflect that. Right. Right. I I have a couple couple more texts I'd like to touch. um, And before we go to the second question, the next text um, to answer the question, what is a devotional life? I would take um, the radio listeners to Exodus chapter 30, verses 7 and 8. Exodus 37 and 8. And here in this text, um, it's a description of something that took place in the sanctuary service every day. Uh, We know that God tells us in Psalm 77, verse 13, that God's way is in the sanctuary. So um, all of the foundational truths that the Christian needs to understand can be found in the symbolism of the ancient sanctuary service. And and um, daily, in the morning and in the evening, the high priest would come and he would tend to the golden candlestick. And in Exodus 37 and 8, it says, And Aaron shall burn thereon, on the golden altar, sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So in this text, we find a description of the high priest tending to a golden lamp that had um, bold shaped like almonds that were filled with oil and had a linen wick in them. Because if you have a a wick that's burning oil, that wick burns down, it gets uh, very short and black and and then the oil burns low. And so you had to resupply wick, resupply oil twice a day to keep that lamp burning. And that was done in the morning and the evening. And we know that, of course, the oil-filled candlestick represents the Christian. In Proverbs 20 and verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And so Aaron dressing the lamps, that, that Hebrew word for dressing, if you look it up, it means to make well. So when that wick burned down low, the oil is low, while the incense was ascending, while it was burning, right. um, the high priest is tending to the, to the lamp so that it can burn brightly. Psalms 141 and verse 2 says, let my prayer be set forth before thee right. as incense. So, so this is a little composite picture here of our devotional life. Morning and evening, in the dark world that we live, God wants us our light to shine. And so our high priest, Jesus in heaven, he comes and he supplies new oil to us. He puts the fire of, um, of Calvary, the spark of Calvary on a, in our hearts so that we can have light to shine. 
yeah, in so the, th- the darkness that's all around us. So um, d- a devotional life um, is all about us receiving new oil, receiving new instructions from God, receiving another hot coal to our mind and our lips so that we can go forth and give light and heat. And um, oh, in the okay. world that Jesus lived in, I'll just wrap it up with this. In the world that Jesus lived in, it was very, very dark. And so Jesus, during his devotional time, got recharged to give light. In Matthew 4, verse 16, it says, and verse 16 and 23, Matthew 4, verse 16 and 23, says of Jesus' day, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. How was that light seen? It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Right. Well, thanks for sharing um, your thoughts on that, um, Elder Skeeton. um, I'd like to underscore this whole um, question with all that you've said, with the verse, very first text that you read, because it says within this text, this is Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 28, notwithstanding no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he have. And so um, that's something that stood out for me, that true devotion is where a person gives all that they have to God. It's a total surrender of everything to God, you see. And that's um on un- un- underscores as as we study on this evening, I believe um what devotion really is, is to give everything to someone. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So as as you said, in worship, you know, um being being willing to submit everything to God as as you've shared. The heavenly beings they give their all to God. And the priests gave their all to God. They they set themselves aside to worship God. So um, I believe that that's one of the most important and essential factors is the willingness to give all. But yes. let me look at this as 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 we carry on. So Elder Skeet, because yes, um, as you know, we could spend all day just on this alone, but we must press on. Um, so how does Jesus' prayer life now teach us devotion, Elder Skeet? Well, there are a few wonderful Bible texts that actually describe Jesus' prayer life. And they also show his supreme dedication, his his 100% commitment to spending time with his Heavenly Father. Yes. Our first text is Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, where it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. It's while it's still quiet and dark outside that the Christian can best hear God's voice. And it was Jesus' habit to rise early. A great while before day means it, was, it had to be two, three, four hours before the sun came up. Yes, right. And he would find a solitary place, a place free from distractions. And, um, and there he would pray and pour out his heart to God. In um, 
if you sleep alone in a bed by yourself, you could actually do it. Um, you could pray and meditate in your bed at night. In Psalm 63, verses 5 and 6, it says, the psalmist wrote, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed yes. and meditate on thee in the night watches. So um, Jesus had the habit of getting up early and going out into a solitary place. And, but sometimes that solitary place can be our own bed where we can pray and meditate and God can speak to us. Our second text on how does Jesus' prayer life teach us devotion is um, Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5. What? This passage, actually, uh, we know that this verse is speaking of the Messiah because the verse that comes right after it, Isaiah 50, verse 6, says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I did not, I, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. So, so verses four and five, just above that is talking about Jesus. And in Isaiah 15, four and five, it says, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Right. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. So in this passage, it's telling us that, that morning by morning, Jesus would awaken, and he would open his ear during his private time with God, and God would instruct him. Jesus had the ear of the learned, and because he would receive instruction from God in his devotional life and his prayer life with God, he was able to have the tongue of a learner. He could speak to people just the things that they need. Uh, the third text that I'd like to use to answer the question, yes. how does Jesus' prayer life teach us devotion, is Hebrews chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And Hebrews chapter 5, uh, speaking of Jesus as our high priest, it refers back to before he became a priest. It says, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he was here on the earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Hebrews 5, 6 and 7. So um, Jesus at some periods of time while he was praying, the, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that his prayers and supplications were with strong crying and tears. So that was a lot of passion, a lot of earnestness. A lot of times we yes. pray for things in a very um, listless, um, impassioned manner. It's as if we don't even really desire what we want that much. But but Jesus, and sometimes in his prayer life, he was praying with strong crying and tears. And, and if the radio listeners, if you want to share the seed of God's word, because Luke 8, 11 says the seed is the word of God. You must put your heart into your prayer and pray with passion. In Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6, it says, They that sow in tears yes. shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So 
Jesus' prayer life teaches us to rise early, look for a solitary place, place to pray. Jesus' prayer life teaches us that we should be having our ear open during our, our, our private time with God so that God can bring his thoughts into our mind. He can instruct us. He can show us what he wants us to do. And we need to have uh, passion and earnestness yes. when we pray for, the, for God's word going forth and for his will to be done. Yeah. One last scripture I'd okay. like to give, and uh, we'll move on to the next question. And that is um, that when Jesus prayed, he, um, when he, he would intercede for others during his prayer time. In Luke chapter 22, at starting at verse 31 and 32, it says, And the Lord said, speaking to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So Peter sometimes seemed like a very, how shall I say, unpromising disciple. He yes, was just quick, quick to speak and he made mistakes. He, even at the end, he denied the Lord with swearing and cursing. But, um, but Jesus persevered for him in prayer. He kept on praying for him and praying for him. And eventually he was converted and became a mighty worker for the Lord. Yes. And so Jesus' prayer life teaches us that part of our prayer time must be used in interceding for others with passion, with crying and tears if necessary. And we need to rise early, go into a solitary place and there pour out our heart to God. Yes. Yes, and um, I'd like to add to this as well, Brother Skeeter. Again, um, what you shared with Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, and I've shared this on previous radio shows, that the Bible says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and here's a point, and was heard in that he feared. The Bible reads in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So the scriptures also teach us that Jesus' devotional life was successful. Successful in that his father had accepted Jesus' prayers and devotion mm. towards him because Jesus was obedient to his father's commandments, you see. Because many people think yeah. that prayer is enough. God will only hear our prayers if our hearts are true towards him, as, as you said, you see. So I just would like to reinforce what you've stated and that the heart's got to be true, see. Absolutely. It's got, it's that got to be true. Me, yes, carry on, Elder Ski. That, that text that you just shared just reminds me, it says in um, First John, it says, and whatsoever we have, we ask, we receive of him yes. because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. I think Amen. that's First John 3, yes. verse 22. So so the life has to line up with the prayers. Yes. You know, if, if a disobedient child, the mother asks the child, hey, can you put your toys away? No, I'm not going to put the toys away. Uh, hey, can you um, can you make your bed? No, I'm not going to make my bed. And then then the, the son says, but mom, can you fix me my favorite dessert tonight? You know, the there's an incongruence with that yes. you know it's it's the obedient child 
that has the ear of the mother. You no, know, God does hear sinners also, but when the life lines up with the prayers, God is able to work more mightily. Yes, yes, I'm into that. See, it's a vital point. It's a vital point because too many people think that they can live anyhow and then just pray to God and go back to living, the, you know, this um, anyhow, when I say anyhow, a sinful life as, as before. You see, you know, we've got to respect the God of heaven and we, we've got to respect the way that he has designed us to live and most importantly of all, why he sent Jesus to save us from our sins. You That's know, correct. Not to keep us in our sins. So carrying on. And um, now, what part did the scriptures play in Jesus' devotional life, Elder Skeet? Okay. We don't have many explicit texts that describe Jesus' Bible study habits, but we have enough scripture to conclude that Jesus must have spent a lot of time studying the scriptures during his devotional life, during yes. his private devotional. Perhaps the most explicit text is in Psalms, the 40th division. In Psalms 40, the psalmist writes a prophecy about the coming Messiah, Jesus. And in Psalms 40, which is quoted by Paul in Hebrews chapter 10, in Psalms 40, it says, starting at verse 6, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine eyes hast thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. That's Psalms 40, 6 through 10. So it says here that um, the Messiah speaking prophetically through the psalmist said, yes. thy law is within mine heart. I have, I have not hid thy truth from the great congregation. That truth, of course, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And, and the law which was written in Jesus' heart and mind was not just the Ten Commandments, right. but many of the passages that are found in what was called by the Jews the law, the first five books of the Bible. Right. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy many, many times. So this text is giving us indication that Jesus had the word of God. He had studied it. He took time to, to learn it and to, and to keep it um, in his, deep in his mind. Right. And um, another indirect proof that Jesus spent hours, many hours, no doubt, memorizing and meditating on the scripture and the deep and deeper meaning of God's word is in that familiar story of Jesus as a boy going up for his first Passover in the temple. You can find that in Luke chapter 2, where Mary and Joseph had um, lost Jesus at the Passover and had to retrace their steps looking for him. Right. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, it says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, 
sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. It's a very interesting text. How is it that a young 12-year-old Jesus could astonish the doctors of the law with his comprehension of the word? It was through time that that young boy, no doubt at Mary's niece, she had instructed him, but he also had his own devotional life and he would spend time with the scriptures, studying it, reflecting it, and as you said before, obeying it. And how do we know that? Here's a Bible text that explains it, Psalms 119, 98 through 100. How could a young boy instruct big old doctors of the law? Psalms 119, verse 98 through 100 says, Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. So the young Jesus, he he studied, he meditated, he kept the things that were in God's word. And so so when they got a hold of this young man in the temple, they were astonished at his doctrine. So so these texts indicate that Jesus must have spent a lot of time in his devotional life searching the scriptures, memorizing them, eating them. And my last text I'd like to give on this. That, that proves in my mind that uh, it's Bible evidence that Jesus memorized much scripture was when he started his public ministry and he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. The Bible says in Matthew chapter four in verses three and four, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he, it doesn't say he took out his scroll. It says, but he, answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy. And um, in Luke chapter four, it talks about him being in the synagogue and, and they brought him the scroll of Isaiah and he found the place in Isaiah. So the Bible talks about Jesus using a scroll, but when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, when when the tempter came, it says, Jesus said, It is written, and this shows that he actually had the word of God in his mind and in his heart. And so he had spent time in his devotional life putting that word in. Right. Yes. Most certainly, um, Brother Skeet. And um, again, I'd just like to reinforce what um, Brother Skeet has said here. And um, because I've also seen in... First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 11, where the Bible says, Zion, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is Zion. Zion is a kingdom. And then the Bible reads in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, sorry, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we see when the disciples, when, when Jesus' disciples asked him if he could teach them how to pray, Jesus used the scriptures as the basis for how our prayer should be modeled. You see, 
And so we see that the scriptures, they have a central role in giving our hearts to God. But it is by the scriptures that we learn how to approach and to please God. And it is by the scriptures that we learn what to say to him. You see, and as um, Elder Ski has said, it was through the, the scriptures that he had read and, and memorized that he was able to um, resist Satan as he was tempted in the wilderness. And so I just thought to um, give that as added evidence to, to what Elder Ski is sharing with us tonight, um, listeners. Um, yes, and can I, I can I can I piggyback on that, John? Yeah, sure. I, of I I had actually had a little section on that, but I didn't want to take too much time. But right. actually, that's an excellent point that yes. Jesus actually blended scripture into his prayers. Yes. You know, in in the Lord's prayer, he's actually quoting scripture there in Matthew six, as you pointed out in First Chronicles. And in John 17, yes. um, where you have the great um, intercessory prayer, he actually is quoting from the Psalms. And so, and so this is very important for the radio listeners to understand that when we're praying, yes. um, we, we should blend Scripture into our prayers back to God. Oftentimes, I, I get into a situation, a difficult situation, and I'm praying, and I'll just say, Lord, you said in your word, ask and it shall be given. You seek yes. and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And I present God's words back to him, and I claim these promises. And that's what Jesus did in his yes. prayer life. He blended scripture into his prayers. And when you present God's word back to God, God honors his word. Amen. Amen to that. Yes. Well, Elder Skeet, time is moving on. And um, now we can ask what benefits came as a result of Jesus' devotional life? What benefits came as a result of Jesus' devotional life? Spending time in prayer and meditating on the Old Testament scriptures brought many benefits to Jesus. But perhaps the greatest benefit, Jesus' connection to the Father through private worship that he derived was his ability to authentically represent the Father. Amen. As Jesus spent private time with God, his life began to line up so closely with his Father that Jesus could tell his disciples in John 14, 9, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You know, the disciples were saying, show us the Father, show us yes. the Father. He said, listen, he said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father in heaven. So, so one of the greatest benefits of Christ spending quiet time, devotional time with his heavenly Father out by himself in nature was that um, he was able to, Jesus was able to do his Father's will in John 6, verse 38, yes. Jesus said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So Jesus spoke his father's words in John 14, 24. It says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Yes. Jesus did his father's works. He said in John 5, verse 36, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, 
the same works that I do and bear witness of me that the Father had sent to me. So, so in his private time with God, Jesus was asking the Father, Lord, teach me your will. He was asking the Father, Lord, teach me your words. Yes. Teach me what I should say. He was asking the Father, Lord, teach me what I should do, what my work should be today. And God began to just reveal to him his will, reveal to him what he should say, reveal to him what he should do. And so his life starts lining up with living out the father's life in front of him, in front of the, uh, all the people that he encountered. And one of the most important benefits that we can derive from spending time with God, we should be praying and asking God, you know, Lord, help me just to think your thoughts, speak your words, do your will, do, do the things you want me to do. Yes. Direct me, guide me, lead me. And then our lives will be the outworking of Jesus' life as if he was here living on the earth. One more thing I'd like to just touch on real quickly uh, as a big benefit. There's many, many benefits that come that came as a result of Jesus' devotional life. But another benefit that Jesus derived that we're also to derive is that spending time receiving God's spirit of truth and wisdom gave Jesus the ability to read the people he encountered yes. accurately. Um, I'm like to quote John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. I'm reading it actually. John 2, 24 and 25 says, But Jesus did not commit un himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. That's a very important phrase. It yes. says, Nobody had to tell Jesus about other people because he knew what was in man. And in John chapter three, when Nicodemus came praising Jesus as the great rabbi sent of God, Jesus read his heart and spoke to his innermost need and said, my brother, you must be born again. In Mark chapter two, when the man sick of palsy was let down through the roof, you know, everybody said, oh, this guy, he really, really his most important thing is he wants to walk. Jesus said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Yes. In, John, in John chapter four, the woman at the well, Jesus told her, he said, thou has had five husbands and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. So, so Jesus, because he was communing with the father, the father would give him insight through the Holy Spirit to be able to read people. Right. And if we, radio listeners, if we are spending time with God, God will, through his spirit, he will begin to give us wisdom that's not from this earth so that when we bump into people on the street, and we're just talking with them briefly, we'll be able to see and read and discern what their spiritual needs are, and we can speak directly to their needs. So there's many benefits that come right. with spending yes. quiet time with God and receiving the oil of his spirit during that time. Yes, I'm into that. And, um, well, I have nothing more to say. That's clear. And to the point, um, Elder Skeet, so now... As we round off with our final question for this evening, how does Jesus' devotional life relate to us today? Okay, that is the, that's the million-dollar question right there. It's, it's wonderful to, to study these things, but how does it relate to us in modern times? In, in every area of life, we're always to copy Jesus. And it's the same with our devotional life. In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, the disciples had been fishing. 
And he saith unto them, Matthew 4, 19, he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples how to be soul winning evangelists, how to catch men rather than fish. And one of the most important parts of being a successful soul winner is to know how to have a prosperous devotional life. So while while, um, Jesus' disciples were watching him quote the scripture by memory, they watched him day by day say, it is written. He was quoting from all these books of the Old Testament. They began to slowly understand that they needed to hide the word of God in their hearts. And it's the same for modern disciples today. Jesus' example of having large passages of scripture memorized so that he could bring it forth immediately as soon as needed has inspired Christians um, from uh, time immemorial and in recent times. Um, Just to give a couple of examples, the English hymn writer, Frances Ridley Havergal, She wrote the poem, Take My Life and Let It Be. Um, She was a Hebrew and Greek scholar and knew many modern languages. She was a brilliant woman. And in the book, Deeper Experiences of Famous Christians by James Lawson, it says, although Miss Havergal lived a very earnest Christian life and sought to glorify God and serve him, she longed for a deeper Christian experience. She was a great student of the word of God. And at the age of 22, knew all of the Gospels, the Epistles, that's Paul's writings, Revelation, Psalms, and Isaiah by heart, and the minor prophets she learned in later years. So in um, Deeper Experience of Famous Christians, it tells us that modern people, just like Jesus, by, by looking at his example, have said, I need to eat this word in such a way where I can, I can just digest and remember and retain large passages. There was another songwriter who lived in modern times. You may have heard of her. Her name is Fanny Crosby. Her original name is Frances Jane Van Alstein, and she wrote over 8,000 hymns and gospel songs. And in the book Heroes of Faith on page 209 and 210, uh, Jean Fideli, the author, says, that when she was a little girl, she often became depressed because she couldn't learn and play as other children because she was blind. But her grandmother taught her to pray to God for knowledge. It says, Fanny began to devour the scriptures. It is said that as a child, she could repeat from memory the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible. The book of Ruth, many of the Psalms, the book of Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and much of the New Testament. So, so the question is, well, how does, um, um, how does Jesus' devotional life affect us today? And the answer is, it should inspire us to do the same things that he did yes, right. in writing the word in the heart. That's my last little thing I'd like to share is that it's the same with Jesus' prayer life that um, many great men of modern times have looked at Jesus' life and said, I need to pattern my devotional life after him. In in the book, The Great Controversy, on page 210, it it says of Martin Luther that during the struggle of Augsburg, Luther did not pass a day without devoting three hours at least to prayer. So he spent hours in prayer. And um, John Nelson Hyde, um, in the book um, Praying Hyde by Francis McGaw, 
it says there that he would pray at midnight, two in the morning, at five in the morning, excuse me, at midnight, two in the morning, four in the morning, and at five in the morning every evening. So, So there's people that pray through the night because they've seen the example of Jesus. And this is um, what we should be inspired to do is to copy the example that Jesus set for us in spending private time with God. Yes. Well, Elder Skate, we'll have a short break for some music and um, we shall come back with some closing thoughts. Oh, 
The Devotional Life of Jesus Eldersgate, Gelsen's Thoughts for this evening, please. There are three kinds of worship. Church worship, where we meet in a large assembly. Family worship, where the head of the household calls the wife or children together. And private worship. And it is private worship or private devotion that really makes us a Christian. Like Isaiah watching and listening to the seraphim around God's throne, we should praise God for his character with passion and earnestness. Like Jesus, we, radio listeners, we need to awaken morning by morning and with the ear of the learned be instructed by God so that we can have the tongue of the learned. Like Jesus, we must rise early and go into a solitary place and ask God to help us to do his will, speak his words and to do his works. We need to spend time memorizing scripture so that um, our devotional life will mirror that of Jesus' devotional life and that we will be able to, um, as we go out into the streets and the highways and byways, we'll be able to really read people's inner needs are all around us and to be the blessing that God intends for us to be. So it's my prayer that each of us will um, study Jesus' devotional life more thoroughly so that we can copy him in this wonderful example and area also. Amen. Let's have a closing prayer as we close our discussion this evening. Okay. Our grace, Father in heaven, Lord, we, we thank you for the wonderful example that Jesus set for us in spending quiet time with you. We see that um, we need to um, um, renovate and to reconstruct our devotional life and to pay more attention to uh, the amount of time that we spend searching your word and praying for your spirit to fill us. Bless us, Lord, to, to draw closer to you and to strengthen and purify our devotional life that it might mirror what's going on in heaven even now so that we might be able to bring greater glory and light to the world. Is our prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder Skeet, thank you for joining us this evening on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org. You can send a text message to 07944-062-786. If you live in the United Kingdom, Please contact us with your name and address, and we will send you a booklet called God With Us. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. 
At chapter 68, you will find the subject, Righteousness and Life. This section will give you more information about today's topic. You can also listen to and download our radio show podcasts at https colon forward slash forward slash voice dash i n for november dash t for tango h e dash wilderness dot podcast page dot io forward slash if you would like to support voice in the wilderness internet radio then please send your donations through our website at the vitwradio.org click on the page called about us you can donate to us there and on next week's show we will study the subject the spirit of prophecy well that's it for tonight's show listeners until next week good night and god bless voice in the wilderness internet radio enlightening the world every week it's not just knowing about the doctrine in the bible that is not what we stand for here streaming powerful biblically based messages live down the this congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.